Thank you so much for joining us. A very busy sports weekend, and it's been a while since I've been in this studio. One of these nights on KCU 88.1 FM. It's been a couple weeks because of Thanksgiving break. This will actually end up being the last show of this semester. I do apologize, but I thank you for your loyal support from the very beginning for what's been an incredible project since August, taking a deep look at sports history at KCU 88.1 FM and KCU.FM in the Blue Box, streaming online anytime in the One of These Nights podcast available on Spotify, Apple Music, and wherever you enjoy your podcasts. We've been more sports history oriented throughout the semester, as I mentioned, but tonight we're going to go a little more breaking news, a little more current events, and a little more preview focused. It's a packed show. We're going to talk about Missouri football's newest hire, that news breaking in the last two hours. Exciting for Missouri fans after an acrimonious start to its coaching search after Barry Odom was canned a couple weeks ago. Then the college football playoff final rankings came out this Sunday afternoon. And with that, every single one of the FBS Bulls were released. We're going to take a deep look at every single one of them, break them down, give you a couple keys to the game, some key players and storylines, and I'll pick a winner for every single FBS Bowl game. Finally, we'll wrap up the show with something else that developed over the Thanksgiving holiday while I didn't have a show. What's up with Alabama kickers? We're going to take a deep look at why the Tide have struggled under Nick Saban to establish a consistent special team game. But first, as promised, every sports episode, I start out with a Mizzou sports snippet. This one's a little different. Going to talk about some breaking news events. First off, I'll walk you back through why Missouri finds itself in this spot. I haven't had a show since, I believe it was Sunday, November 17th. So it's been quite a while, almost a month. A lot has happened. That day, Missouri was just coming off a loss to the Florida Gators, the top 10 team. They ended up number nine in today's releasing of the college football playoff ranking. Certainly wasn't much of an expectation that Missouri would win that game. However, the next week, they took on a battle-tested Tennessee team over the first week of Thanksgiving break. And that one did not go as many in the Missouri brass thought it might at the beginning of the year, especially after Tennessee lost its season opener to Georgia Southern 38 to 30 back in August. The volunteers came into Columbia and manhandled the Tigers on a cold night. Missouri was somewhat able to break its offensive woes. They finally found themselves at the end zone for the first time of what was almost a month on a Kelly Bryant rushing touchdown. Michael Wilson also had a touchdown pass in the game one was the most spectacular trick play of the season. However, it wasn't nearly enough, and Missouri fell 24-20 to on senior night. That dropped the Tigers to 5-6 and six on the regular season. After their 5-1 and one start, they end up below 500 before winning over Thanksgiving break in the battle line rivalry two Fridays ago. That was not enough to save Barry Odom's job. The team ends up 6-6. Six and six. 24 hours later, Athletic Director Jim Sterk notifies Odom and the team that he is relieving his head coach of coaching duties after four seasons, 25 wins, 25 losses for Odom in his time. He started at the school in 2016. He was previously the defensive coordinator with the team and played as a linebacker in the late 1990s, but Mizzou made the tough decision to let their alma mater go. 
And Odom was quiet for a couple days. He finally sounded off on Twitter early in the week, responded with grace and class. So certainly deserves some credit for that. Can't say he didn't do his absolute best to turn this Missouri program around. But in the end, Jim Sturt kind of had a money line in the press release that the school started off with a lot of momentum thanks to some splashy offseason acquisitions, namely the grad transfer quarterback Kelly Bryant from Clemson, who really wasn't healthy the entire year and never really fit into the Missouri offense like a lot of people thought he might. So expectations were dashed. The South End Zone remodeling project was beautiful, and Missouri had a lot of momentum coming into the season. But in the eyes of Mr. Athletic Director Sirk, it was not quite enough. It is worth noting that Sturt got the job about two years into Odom's tenure. So he's, quote, Odom is technically not, quote, Sturk's guy. So you have to consider that. have to consider that Sturk wanted to go out and hire his own candidate, put his name on the line, attached with the hire. That's exactly what Missouri decided to do. Sturk held a press conference on the final day of November. Detail more about his decision to fire Odom. And it was an interesting process. Basically, according to multiple reports, namely Game DeArmin, uh, Power Mizzou and Rivals, Odom and Sturk had met several times throughout the regular season as they normally do, at least once per week in Odom's coaching office. And toward the latter stages of the season, when it wasn't exactly looking good and the writing was kind of on the wall that Odom's job was going to be up in the air, Odom apparently, and this is all according to reports, asked Sturk for a public vote of confidence to which Sturk responded that he was going to kind of put it into a holding pattern and wait and see how the rest of the season went. Odom was not encouraged by that response. Like apparently he told his team that he expected them to get fired. and That's exactly what happened. But apparently Sturk was not pleased that that message got out to the team. And that really pushed him in the direction to let his fourth-year coach go. It is interesting, though, because we would not be in this situation if Odom wins that game, what ended up being less than a one-touchdown loss to Tennessee. It's amazing that in a year where Missouri had so many expectations, so many disappointing games, so many questionable losses, played in huge environments against Florida and Georgia, that ended up being the most consequential game of the season in 2019 for Missouri. A 24-20 loss to Tennessee was the end of the Barry Odom era, all things considered. So, we moved to last week. Odom's gone. Missouri embarks on its coaching search, and it does not go well out of the gate. The Tigers are swinging and missing at candidates left and right. They initially saw a lot of interest in Brian Harson of Boise State. Mike Norvell at Memphis considered the best coaching candidate overall. He was introduced as the next head coach at Florida State this afternoon, if that tells you how that search went. Several under other candidates considered eventually. Will Healy of Charlotte emerges as a front runner. Mike Leach of Washington State, another name that was tossed around, but there wasn't a whole lot of merit to that one. Jim Sterk wasn't exactly interested in bringing him on board. Lane Kiffin introduced as the head coach at Ole Miss. I believe that's coming up tomorrow. So Missouri missed out on him. Willie Fritz of Tulane, former coach at Central Missouri, was another name that was tossed around. 
But the Tigers were spinning their wheels on every single one of these candidates. And Stirk had mentioned in his press conference back on the 30th that Missouri wanted to have their guy within two weeks of the process. So it hasn't gone very well to this point. This is about Wednesday of this week. And then news breaks again, led by Gabe DeArmond, who's really been the leader of this vanguard in the Missouri coaching search. Covers his beat extremely well, stays right on top of the Missouri coaching situation. He reports that Missouri submitted a list to the board of curators that included, namely and specifically, Arkansas State head coach Blake Anderson as the recommended hire for Missouri, to which the board of curators, there were other names on that list, but none of the three of them were able to be confirmed. Apparently, that was submitted to the board of curators. John Sunvold, former Missouri basketball legend, and a member of the board of curators came out and said there was no meeting that took place. There was simply a list submitted. And many of them on a panel that included the U.M. system president, Moon Choi, and Chancellor Alexander Cartwright asked for a bigger name than Blake Anderson. Anderson was 46-30 and 30 in six seasons at Arkansas State. He came over as the offensive coordinator for strong North Carolina teams. Before that, he was... In the public light earlier this season for his wife's battle in which she came up short and passed, unfortunately, earlier this year due to cancer. And he very likely would have landed a bigger job had it not been for that circumstance. But Anderson was still a widely respected candidate. I personally came out on my other show, the preferred walk-ons, and said I thought that was who Missouri should have hired. Really recruited in a Gary Pinkle style, in case you're not familiar with that, going in to big states, Texas, California, Alabama, and Florida, getting the guys who are underrated and under-recruited and turning them into something special in Jonesboro. He had the number one rated receiver as terms of reception yards in the entirety of the 2019 season in Omar Bayless this year. I thought he was the guy for Missouri. When the news broke that the Board of Curators wasn't exactly pleased with that recommendation, Missouri wanted a bigger name. Anderson, understandably, was very frustrated and withdrew himself from consideration. This again, according to reports. And Missouri was left right back where it started. And the coaching search did not look very good there for about three days. This until yesterday, when a light emerged in the Missouri coaching search, and it came from the Sun Belt. Yesterday, the 11 a.m. kickoff, Appalachian State and Louisiana, the number 21-ranked Mountaineers, Took it to the Ragin' Cajuns and what ended up being a classic an offensive shootout, 45-38, to 38, Appalachian State victorious for the second straight year in the Sun Belt. And the head coach of the Mountaineers, none other than Aliyah Drinkwitz, emerged as the frontrunner for Missouri in its coaching search. And since then, the momentum has picked up. Now multiple sources are reporting, including DeArmond and ESPN, that Drinkwitz will be the next guy for Missouri. Not a huge name on the national scene, but boy, is this a great hire for Missouri, especially in my own eyes. I think this is a great pickup for Sturk and the Tigers, especially when you consider how acrimonious the coaching search started. Missouri is ending up in a pretty good place here. 
Drinkwitz, as I mentioned, led Appalachian State to the Sun Belt title this year. They went 12-1. and They beat North Carolina and South Carolina and had a fantastic year in the national scope. Their only loss was a three-point defeat on Halloween night to Georgia Southern. They played really well overall this season. They were the class of the Sun Belt. A little bit of background on Drinkwitz. He is just 36 years old, a quick riser in the coaching industry. He was the offensive coordinator at North Carolina State most recently until he was hired over after Scott Satterfield was hired by Louisville to be their latest head coach. So you got to feel for Appalachian State losing both Satterfield and Drinkwitz, according to reports, in the past two seasons. They're going to have their third coach in three seasons. That program is one of the most underrated football powerhouses in the country over the past two decades they have just established a class of their own in Boone, North Carolina anyway Drinkwitz as the OC with NC State he previously also worked with Arkansas State and Boise State as the offensive coordinator the Wolfpack had two 9-4 and four seasons in 2017 and 2018 the offense was really strong under Ryan Finley who's had some starts as the Cincinnati Bengals signal caller this season in the NFL. W- widely considered a great season for NC State those past few years. Prior, he was the running back coach, as I mentioned, with Gus Malzahn when he was the head coach at Arkansas State in 2012. And the year before that, folks, this is good news for Missouri Drinkwitz is the owner of a national championship ring. He was the quarterback's coach for Cam Newton in his Heisman Trophy winning season in 2011. So he's an owner of that hardware and followed Gus Malzahn to a state. Interestingly enough, he has ties to a very successful FBS program that picked up another piece of hardware this weekend. And we'll be traveling to the college football playoff to play in the Peach Bowl. The number four ranked Oklahoma Sooners. If Drinkwitz is officially confirmed as the candidate, and again, the board of curators have to meet, they haven't notified the public yet of a meeting. So expect an official announcement if Drinkwitz is, in fact, the hire around Tuesday or Wednesday from Missouri Athletics. Anyway, Drinkwitz tie. He is now the second youngest FBS head coach. If he is indeed confirmed, only ahead of Lincoln Riley of Oklahoma. Pretty interesting little tie there because you guessed it. Drinkwitz was born in none other than Norman, Oklahoma. Still a lot to be written on his football story. Missouri had to get his hire from somewhere. Missouri fans, I remind you, if you're not pleased with the splash on a big level, Gary Pinkle had to come from somewhere as well. Flew under the radar for years at Kent State. Eventually worked his way over to Toledo. And he made the jump to Missouri in 2001. And we all know how that ended up. He set the program records for coaching wins in the early 2010s. So Missouri has their guy, presumably for multiple years to come. We'll see how long it lasts. We'll see when the team makes the official announcement presumably later this week. But Tiger fans rejoice. The coaching search is over. You got your guy, and we'll see how he does the next football season as the head man of the Missouri Tigers. This is one of these nights on KCOU coming up. 
So got a lot to get to tonight. We're going to predict every single FBS bowl game and then finish off the show with a deep look at Alabama's kicking situation and its woes. This is one of these nights on KCU 88.1 FM. General Emission on KCOU 88.1 FM from 8 a.m. to 9 a.m. every Monday morning. I think he's wrong, though. You're, it's a you're heartless agreeing move. and There's, disagreeing on the same topic. I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm not disagreeing that it wasn't a smart move. I'm just not disagreeing with Anthony Davis's dad either. Once again, that's General Emission from 8 to 9 a.m. on KCOU 88.1 FM for the latest updates from the MLB, NFL, NBA, and the NCAA. Are you ready for some high-octane talk? Do you live for the thrill of fast cars and close vendors? Then tune in to Burnin' Rubber every Thursday morning at 8 a.m. on KCOU 88.1 FM. Join Hal Step and myself, Sterling Siemens, as we discuss the latest in NASCAR, IndyCar, Formula One, and other racing series from around the world. Don't miss the Can't Miss Motorsports Talk Show of Mizzou Student Radio. Burnin' Rubber, Thursdays at 8 a.m. on KCOU 88.1 FM, Columbia. Okay. Hey, this is KCOU 88.1 FM. Are you trying to release the hottest project of this year, possibly next? Come down to our studio in the Student Center and we can mix, master, record, edit, engineer your whole project, your whole artistic experience wrapped into one visit. Please come down and visit us. If any of this interests you, please email sessions at kcou.fm. KCOU would like to shout out Eastside Tavern. It's the bar that's bizarre. Downtown Columbia's best karaoke comedy club. With a huge selection of drinks and activities and themed nights every week, Eastside is a solid place to hang out. KCOU 88.1 Gotta stay in tune cause we never gonna be done Stay coming with the flame like we walk a flock in the pain Understand that it's DNA and I do my thing Welcome back. This is one of these nights on KCU 88.1 FM. My name is Garrett Jones. Bookending your weekend with a little bit of the lighter side of the sports world. And a quick word from KCOU. Join us at Eastside Tavern for karaoke night. We'll have a date for you coming up on that. But Eastside Tavern, a proud partner of KCU 88.1 FM, located on East Walnut Street in Columbia, Missouri. A proud home to comedy and karaoke in the Columbia area. Talking a little bit about Missouri's reported next head coaching hire. Eli Drinkwitz expected to be announced as the new head man of Mizzou Athletics later this week. 
Don't make the mistake that I made earlier this week on the radio airwaves and call him Elijah because he's got one of the most interesting names in college football, undoubtedly. I'll walk you through the spelling of it. His full name is Elia, E-L-I-A-H, Drink Wits, D-R-I-N-K-W-I-T-Z. Elia Drinkwitz, Eli for short. So that's going to be interesting for the beat writers and the columnists in the St. Louis, Kansas City, and Columbia areas to write for presumably years to come, especially if Missouri's got this higher right. Missouri fans will certainly take it, though, if it breeds the same kind of success that he had at Appalachian State. A really solid head coaching start to his career, 12-1 and already in the 2019 season. So Missouri, looks like you got your guy. And we'll have to see if we get official word of that later on this week. So Missouri not playing in the postseason. That's another thing that I miss in between the break. Missouri did have its postseason ban upheld by the NCAA. That was announced over Thanksgiving break while Missouri was at the Hall of Fame Classic Basketball Tournament in Kansas City. However, there are a slew of bowls set for the holiday season I wanted to break down every single one here one of these nights and then one of these nights podcasts on KCU 88.1 FM. Let's go ahead and start, since there's a lot to get to, with the Makers Wanted Bahamas Bowl on Friday, December 20th. Buffalo, 7-5 and five, out of the MAC and Charlotte. Their best season in FBS program history, 7-5 and five were the 49ers led by Will Healy, who looks like is going to stay at Charlotte. Well, once again, I'm sure be mentioned in the coaching carousel as a popular candidate come 2020. Keep an eye on Buffalo running back Jarrett Patterson, one of the best players you probably never heard of at the collegiate level. 1,626 yards for the Bulls this year, 17 touchdowns. Healy and company are going to have their hands full trying to keep him at under wraps, I should say, in the beautiful Bahamas. Also that night, 6.30 p.m., swan song for Jordan Love and Utah State. They took a step back this year after a Cinderella-like 2018 season. They even went to Baton Rouge and were one of LSU's 13 losses, 13 wins, I should say, on its way to an SEC championship. They take on Kent State at Toyota Stadium in Frisco, Texas, in the Tropical Smoothie Cafe Frisco Bowl. Moving right on, Saturday the 21st, the first Saturday of the coaching season, Central Michigan takes on San Diego State in the New Mexico Bowl. That's actually a really solid matchup. Missouri was actually very interested, according to reports, in hiring Jim McElwain, the head coach at Central Michigan. You might recognize that name from his three years at Florida in the mid-20-teens. That's an interesting matchup there. San Diego State 9-3 and under Rocky Long. Two clashing styles there. San Diego State really struggled with the offense at the beginning of the year. Central Michigan likes to put up points. They came up short in the MAC championship game yesterday. Miami, Ohio, led by none other than Brett Gabbert, the younger brother of former Missouri star Blaine Gabbert. Pilots the Red Hawks to victory. Central Michigan looking for win number nine. I'm going to take San Diego State in that one. In case I didn't mention it before, I'm going to take Buffalo and Utah State in the first two bowl games. Elsewhere, Hugh Freeze leads Liberty to a bowl game in his first season at the helm. They take on Georgia Southern, the only team to top Eli Drinkwitz 
and Appalachian State this season. They play in the FBC Mortgage Cure Bowl in Orlando. Give me Stephen Calvert and Liberty in that one. I think he's one of the more underrated quarterbacks in all of college football, especially this season. At one time topped Matt Rule's Baylor Bears in Waco back in 2017. SMU and Florida Atlantic play in the Cherry Bundy, Boca Raton Bowl. No word yet if Lane Kiffin will stick around to coach the Owls in that game. There was a, some reports that he resigned his post at the helm at FAU yesterday. Disappointing end to the season for SMU. They were started out 8-0, but certainly under one of the more underrated coaching minds in college football in Sonny Dykes. Have a lot to look forward to. They still went 10-2. They've gotten an opportunity for an 11th win. We'll be taking up an FAU team in flux in the Cherubundi Boca Raton Bowl. Give me SMU in that one. I like Shane Bouchelle and the Mustangs offense. They will be interesting to watch. They could easily find themselves in a position to compete for an at-large bid in the New Year's Six Bowl games next year. Florida International and Blake Anderson's Arkansas State Red Wolves playing in the Camellia Bowl in Montgomery, Alabama on Saturday the 21st. FIU clips in at 6-6. They got a huge win over Miami over Thanksgiving break and what was one of my favorite memories of this 2019 college football season at Marlins Park. Arkansas State, the Red Wolves kind of took a step back without Justice Hansen, but Blake Anderson's a really good head coach. I think that they're going to put him in a good position to win this game. Keep an eye on Omar Bayless in this one. 1,473 yards, 16 receiving touchdowns. You can bet the Hill one go out with a bang and try to fly himself up at the top of many NFL big boards. 6.30 p.m., the best game of the day. Number 19, Boise State takes on Washington. And what a storytelling script. What a storybook ending to this one. Chris Peterson announced early last week that he will resign as the head coach of Washington football. Junior Lake, the defensive coordinator, going to take over that post. But Peterson, in his final game, matched up with the team that he led to so much success with quarterback Kellen Moore in the late 2000s and early 20-teens. Boise State 12-1. and They just miss out on that group of five New Year's Six Bowl bid. They finished number 19 after winning the Mountain West Conference Championship last night over Hawaii, Washington, and what's been a disappointing 7-5 and five season. They were ranked as a preseason top 15 team. Looks to pick up win number eight and send Peterson out in style as he moves into an advisory role in the Washington State Athletic Department. That game at 6.30 p.m. Central in the Mitsubishi Motors Las Vegas Bowl. Finally, the final game of the nightcap, number 20 Appalachian State takes on UAB in the RNL Carriers New Orleans Bowl. No word yet if Drinkwitz will coach Appalachian State in what would be his final game at the helm there. But the Mountaineers already have 12 victories at the FBS level. They're looking for win number 13, which would set a program record at the FBS position of football. Moving on to the 23rd, give me App State in that one. Give me Washington in the Las Vegas Bowl. And as I mentioned, Arkansas State in the Camellia Bowl. Monday the 23rd, Central Florida, 9-3. Missouri was interested in Josh Heupel, according to multiple reports. Tigers decided to let that one go as he and the Knights took a step back this season. Still finished 9-3. They take on a quietly solid Marshall team led by Brendan Knox, who had 1,284 rushing yards this season. Dylan Gabriel, a true freshman, played really well for UCF. 
I'm going to take UCF in what's necessarily a home game at Raymond James Stadium in Tampa, Florida. Christmas Eve, a tradition like no other. The Aloha Stadium hosts the SoFi Hawaii Bowl. And what better than Hawaii playing its 15th game of the season? You heard that right. The Rainbow Warriors are going to play in 15 total games this season. They scheduled a 13th regular season game because they beat Arizona in week zero. And then they lost the Mountain West Conference Championship game last night. They take on a BYU team that finished 7-5 and five and had one of the most interesting schedules in college football. I'll take Hawaii and what's effectively a home game for them in their home stadium in the Hawaii Bowl. December 26th, boy, how the mighty have fallen. Miami of Florida, led by head coach Manny Diaz, in the walk-ons Independence Bowl on the 26th. And what is effectively, again, a home game for Louisiana Tech, 9-3 in Shreveport. No questions asked. Give me Louisiana Tech in this game. They quietly put together a solid season led by Jamar Smith in the Conference USA. And Miami is just three weeks removed from a loss to Florida International in its home city. The U is not back, folks. Give me Louisiana Tech. Then, on the 26th, this game turned out to be a pretty good bowl game last year in a clash between Minnesota and Georgia Tech. Look how Minnesota's risen. Pittsburgh, Pat Narduzzi, and company have led the Panthers to a 7-5 and season. They came up just short from making the ACC championship game. They take on Eastern Michigan at Ford Field at 7 o'clock. I will take the Panthers in that game. Starting to get closer to the New Year's games. Friday the 27th, North Carolina led by Mac Brown. They're back in bowl contention at 6-6. Six and six. They take on a pretty solid Temple team. But Sam Howell, one of the best freshmen in the country, 35 passing touchdowns. I'll take Baby Blue in this one. Give me the heels over the Temple Owls in the military bowl presented by Northrop Grumman. Then 2.20 Central Time, an interesting start for an interesting matchup. Michigan State. So many questions about the job security of head coach Mark D'Antonio and even more about the state of the Spartan offense. They take on Wake Forest to piece together a pretty solid 8-4 and four season, but still some disappointed feelings around that program after they started 6-0. and oh. They play in the Pinstripe Bowl in New York at Yankee Stadium. I'll take the Deeks in that one, looking for win number nine. For Dave Clawson, who has recently extended another one of those fantastic under-the-radar coaches in the ACC. The Texas Bowl, where Missouri found itself just three seasons ago. Number 25, Oklahoma State, fresh off a loss in Bedlam. Take on the 7-5 Texas A&M Aggies, who are desperate to get the bad taste of a 50-7 drubbing of LSU in their final regular season game. That game's at Energy Stadium in Houston, Texas. I like A&M in this one. I think that Oklahoma State still going to be hurting without Tylen Wallace, its leading receiver. Spencer Sanders, its starting quarterback. Jimbo Fisher is going to be desperate to get back to that eight-win mark, put himself in a position to where next year can really move on to national contention. I think that Kellen Mond is going to be desperate to put himself in a good position going into next year. They want all the momentum that they can get. You can assume that A&M will be a little more healthy in the backfield than it was in the final two games of the regular season. Corbin could presumably return in the backfield for the Aggies. Give me Texas A&M in the Texas Bowl, pretty much playing in its own backyard. First time in that bowl game since 2016 when they lost to Kansas State. Also that evening, USC 
another game that's pretty much in their backyard playing in San Diego in the San Diego County Credit Union Holiday Bowl. They take on number 16, Iowa. This is one of the best bowl matchups, honestly, of the slate. That one taking place on the 27th as well on a Friday night. 7 o'clock kickoff. Clay Helton keeps his job at USC after multiple reports emerged last Sunday that he might be on his way out of the door. The number 22-ranked Trojans battled the number 16-ranked Hawkeyes. Iowa quietly had a really solid season. I think that they're going to win this bowl game to get to a 10th win. Another one. This game is going to be so much fun. I'm going to go out of my way to watch this. If you remember last year's Cheez-It Bowl between TCU and California, it was one of the most beautiful yet ugly games of football you'll ever see. TCU and California went to overtime tied at 7, and eventually TCU found its way to win. This year, it is Troy Calhoun, another name that emerged in that Missouri coaching search, and Air Force taking on Mike Leach's 6-6 six and six Washington State Cougars. So, yes, folks, you heard that right. That is Mike Leach versus the triple option. What more could you ask for? Give me the Cougs in this one. I still think the Air Force has put together a really solid season, including a game where they went and beat Colorado and a meeting for what was for the first time in decades for those program. I think they could easily win that game, but I'm such a big Mike Leach fan. I think that the Cougs are going to take that one in the Cheez-It Bowl. You got Cheez-It Bowl, you got Mike Leach, and you got the triple option. That game is a college football meme rolled into one. What more could you ask for before your holiday season? Saturday the 28th, here we are. We're into the New Year's Six Bulls games. Number 17, Memphis, led by Mike Norvell, now the head man at Florida State. They climb all the way to number 17 in the final college football playoff rankings. They win the American Athletic Conference Championship. They take on a Penn State team that's climbed all the way into number 10. Disappointing season for them in which they really are kicking themselves after losing their first game of the season to Minnesota after climbing to 8-0. Eventually dropped a game to Ohio State, but still a lot of momentum for the Nittany Lions. James Franklin was extended over the weekend. I'm going to take Penn State in that one in the Goodyear Cotton Bowl Classic on Saturday the 28th at Jerry World. 11 a.m. kick. Notre Dame, number 15, taking on Matt Campbell and Iowa State. That is an interesting game. Even though Campbell and the Cyclones lost their regular season finale to Kansas State, I think that he's going to relish the opportunity to show what he can do on the national level against one of the most recognizable brands in college football. I'm not sure. I have to, I'm going to have to scroll over to Winsipedia while I'm talking about this game. This, this could be a first-ever matchup in the bowl. Well, in a bowl game for sure, but let's see if they've played at all in their history. The Fighting Irish quietly actually finished the season really strong, 10-2, number 15 in the final college football playoff ranking. And interestingly enough, they ended up with more wins over top 25 teams than Alabama. So, yep, I just looked it up on Winsipedia, which if you're a college football fan, you might want to check out that site. A lot of really interesting matchups about, a lot of interesting stats about matchups in college football history. This is the first time that Notre Dame and Iowa State are meeting up in the Camping World Bowl in Orlando, 11 a.m. kick on ABC. I want to pick the upset here because I just like Matt Campbell so much. But I'm going to have to lean with the Irish here. They've really put together some solid momentum at the end of the 2019 season. Give me Notre Dame in that one. Here we are, college football playoff semifinals. 
3 o'clock Central, the kick on ESPN. Number four, Oklahoma. Number one, LSU. Joe Burrow very likely will be picking up a heavy piece of hardware in New York City later on this week in the Heisman Trophy presentation. He's complimented very nicely by Clyde Edwards-Elair. 16 touchdowns out of the backfield. 18 touchdowns for Jamar Chase. Jalen Hurts becomes the first quarterback ever to quarterback multiple teams to the college football playoff. He becomes the first quarterback ever to win two conference championship games as a starter. He led the Sooners to a 30-23 win over Baylor in the Big 12 championship game yesterday. But Joe Burrow really shined. He set the SEC conference record, breaking Missouri's Drew Locke's mark of 44 in the 2017 season with 48 touchdown passes this year, including four to no interceptions in the in the Tigers' 37-10 thrashing of the Georgia Bulldogs yesterday in Atlanta. LSU simply looks too good to beat right now. Oklahoma gets a really nice consolation prize in making their fourth straight college football playoff as the four seed, ironically enough. They win their fifth straight Big 12 title. I think that's the peak for the Sooners this season. I'm not going to put it past Lincoln Riley, though. If anybody can game plan to beat LSU, it'll be him. Tigers almost a two-touchdown favorite in this game. I'm going to take LSU and the Heisman Trophy winner. Elsewhere, Clemson-Ohio State, a battle of two undefeateds. Ohio State really started off softly against Wisconsin. They went down 21-7 to against the Badgers, but roared all the way back. They shut out Wisconsin in the second half on their way to a 34-21 to win. Clemson, no questions at all in a 62-17 to thrashing of Virginia in the ACC championship game. Still going to take Ohio State. I still think that they're the one of the best two teams in America right now. Not to knock Clemson at all. They certainly had a great season. This is finally where the rubber will meet the road for them. So many questions about their schedule, especially in the non-conference slate this season. They play Texas A&M and South Carolina out of the SEC and what ended up being two kind of down years for those programs. They finally get their chance to show themselves in the national stage. They take on Ohio State. I just don't think that Clemson has all the pieces defensively, even though they've got the ACC Defensive Player of the Year, Isaiah Simmons at linebacker. Trevor Lawrence has really put it together the past couple weeks, but Justin Fields, as long as he's healthy, J.K. Dobbins, the best backfield all around in college football, 1,829 yards for him, 20 touchdowns. Oh, and yeah, by the way, Chase Young's coming off the line on the defensive end as well. He could be the number one overall pick in the NFL draft. I just think that Ohio State has too much talent. That would set up an interesting national championship game between LSU and Ohio State, in which case I would take Joe Burrow and LSU. So, We got through the college football playoff. We'll keep going into the New Year's games. The Surpro First Responder Bowl on Monday the 30th. Western Kentucky takes on Western Michigan in the battle of FBS Westerns in Dallas at Gerald Ford Stadium, a new venue for this bowl game this year. Western Kentucky led by Ty Story in what was one of the more underrated moments of the college football season. He went back to Arkansas and took down the Razorbacks, the team he transferred from. I'm going to take Western Kentucky in this one as well. 3 o'clock Central on the 30th. The Franklin American Mortgage Music City Bowl pits Mississippi State against Louisville. These teams actually actually matched up in a bowl game not too long ago in Nissan Stadium. Pretty much a home game for Scott Satterfield and the Cards. This is huge for them. They added on five wins compared to the 2018 season in which they had just two under Bobby Petrino's leadership. Good things happening for the Cards. Give me Louisville in this one over Mississippi State. Lots of questions surrounding Joe Moorhead as a head coach there. 
3 o'clock Central, the Red Box Bowl, California and Illinois. Lovey Smith finally pilots the Fighting Illini to a bowl game in his fourth year at that post. Chase Garbers out for the season, the quarterback for California. They were ranked as high as 15 this season after knocking off Ole Miss in Oxford. They have not been the same team without him. Illinois highlighted its 2019 season with a win over Wisconsin, a team that ended up with three losses. I don't really know which way to lean this game. I'm going to take Illinois just because I like Lovey Smith a lot as a coach. Then, one of the New Year's Six Bowl games. Interesting matchup at 7 o'clock on ESPN. Number nine, Florida. The Gators, boy, they've improved every year under Dan Mullen so far. Ten wins this season, even with Felipe Franks getting injured in the Kentucky game back in September. The number nine Gators take on the number 24 Virginia Cavaliers. They got punched in the mouth against Clemson. Bryce Perkins, Bronco Mendenhall, and company have UVA in a great spot, even though their basketball team is still one of the class of the country. They're in a good place at football as well. Those students have to be enjoying their athletic scene right now. I'm still going to take the Gators. I think that they roll to an 11th win and have a really nice shot to compete for the SEC title next season. Last day of 2019, Tuesday, December 31st, Virginia Tech takes on Kentucky in the Belk Bowl. Wildcats had an acrimonious start to the 2019 season, but led by Mark Stoops, one of the best coaches in college football. They were able to rally and get back to seven wins. They take on a Virginia Tech team that, again, started off rough. A couple losses early. Many questioned the job status of Justin Fuente, but he pilots the Hokies back to where they were just a win away from that ACC championship game against Clemson. He and the Hokies will have a pretty good shot to win against Kentucky. I will take Virginia Tech in that one. Former Missouri head coach Barry Odom, according to reports, rumored to be the next Virginia Tech defensive coordinator, but none of that confirmed. Also on the 31st, the fighting fight, excuse me, the fighting Mike Norvells in Florida State take on Arizona State in the new newly sponsored Tony the Tiger, as in Frosted Flakes, Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl in El Paso. Jaden Daniels still riding the coattails of what was an emotional win over Oregon that really tilted the Pac-12 playoff picture. Arizona State also topped Kevin Sumlin and company in the Territorial Cup. They're riding momentum right now. Florida State's ready for a rebuild. Mike Norvell's going to get to work and get them in a position to where they can win next season, but not this one. I think that they finished below 500, and I think that Herm Edwards picks up win number eight at the helm for Arizona State this season. The Liberty Bowl, where Missouri found itself last season, number 23 Navy. They've still got a game to play on Saturday. They take on Army in the classic Army-Navy game. Cool uniforms to that one released. You should check that out if that interests you. They take on Kansas State, an 8-4 and four team at the Liberty Bowl. Missouri lost to Oklahoma State in this one last year. I'm going to take Kansas State in that one. Chris Kleiman, the former head coach at North Dakota State, helped that program grow leaps and bounds. They beat a team that's in the college football playoff in Oklahoma. The only loss for the Sooners, even though the Navy's having a fantastic season. I think the short rest just... Over two weeks left to prepare for that game. That's a very small window compared to most practices that these teams get. I think that Kansas State's going to take advantage of that. Also on the 31st, Arizona Stadium, the host of the Nova Home Loans Northern Arizona game. Wyoming takes on Georgia State. The Cowboys top Missouri this season. They finish up 7-5. and five. Really strong backfield for the Cowboys. I think that they're going to win that game. 
And then in the Alamo Bowl, interesting matchup here. Utah had college football playoff aspirations as least recently as Friday, and yet they find themselves playing in the Alamo Bowl in San Antonio in what's essentially a home game for the Texas Longhorns. I still think that Utah rocks Tom Herman and company on their way to win number 12 of the season. The Utes defense didn't show it on Friday night, but they're pretty solid. Tyron Huntley will be looking to improve off of what was a pretty lackluster performance for him. Zach Moss wants to go out on top. I think that Utah will win that bowl game. Now into 2020 and three more of the New Year's Six bowl games. Minnesota and Auburn clash at Raymond James Stadium in Tampa. Number 18 ranked Gophers under P.J. Fleck have been one of the Cinderella's of the college football season. They take on Auburn, who after Gus on and so many questions about his job security after going 7-5 in the regular season last year. He leads Auburn to a 9-3 campaign this year. Bo Nix in the backfield for the Tigers. Lots to be excited about for them moving forward. I think that they win this one, and both teams end up 10-3. Nick Saban's Tide have the opposite of momentum after a loss to LSU in November at home. And then they lose the Iron Bowl, which we'll have more on a little more into what exactly the semantics and details of that game were. They take on number 14, Michigan, who even though they lost to Ohio State, still ended up with a solid 9-3 and season under Jim Harbaugh. You are kidding yourselves if you do not think that both of these head coaches and Nick Saban and Jim Harbaugh are, one, relishing the chance to go up against each other, and two, desperate for a win in this one. Both of those seats are uncomfortable. They are not hot. I'm never going to say that Nick Saban is on the hot seat because he's really established himself as a mogul in college football. However, the Alabama fans are a little restless. This is uncharted territory for the Crimson Tide. They found themselves in four straight college football playoffs. It will be strange for them to watch from the couch this year. They take on Michigan and certainly will be motivated for that one. Give me the Tide in the Citrus Bowl. The Rose Bowl, the granddaddy of them all, my favorite bowl game to watch every single year. Great matchup this year. Justin Herbert for Oregon and the number six Ducks take on number eight Wisconsin. Fresh off a bowl loss, Jonathan Taylor, and likely what will be his final collegiate game. Same with Herbert. NFL draft scouts are going to be all over this game. I'm going to be excited to watch. I just have a feeling that it's going to end up a classic game. I think that Oregon's going to have enough firepower to outscore the Badgers in this one and take the Rose Bowl game. Georgia playing in its second straight Sugar Bowl. Last year, they lost to Texas. Baylor comes in off a Cinderella season under Matt Rule. They are eager to win this game. I really like the Bears' defense. However, I do not think that Kirby Smart is going to let his team come in unprepared to the Sugar Bowl and unmotivated for the second year in a row, even though they find themselves just outside the playoff picture once again. I think that they're going to be a completely different team than they looked in that loss to Texas on January 1st. I think that Georgia takes the Sugar Bowl. January 2nd, Boston College takes on number 21 Cincinnati in the Ticket Smarter Birmingham Bowl. I think that Cincinnati, the number 21-ranked Bearcats, and Luke Fickle. Boston College decided to boot Steve Adagio. In case you didn't hear it, they ended up 6-6. I think the Bearcats take that one. Indiana and Tennessee in the Tax Slayer Gator Bowl. Both these teams exceeding expectations this season, especially after Tennessee, as I mentioned a little earlier in the show, dropped an early game against none other than Georgia State. Eventually, they found themselves in a position where they beat Missouri. They found themselves... In a bowl game, that's exactly what they did. I'm going to take Tom Allen and the Hoosiers, though. Allen just got a contract extension this week. I think that the Hoosiers pick up win number nine. That was the first time 
that NCAA, or, excuse me, wow, the first time that Indiana had reached eight wins in their football program in a couple decades. It's really strange to say right now, but Indiana football is better than its men's basketball program. I'm taking the Hoosiers in that one. The only game on January 3rd, Ohio and Nevada. Not much to say about this game. It is the famous Idaho Potato Bowl. Nathan Rourke for Ohio playing in his final game. Elijah Cooks for Nevada. I really saw a year receiving for them. I'm going to take the Wolfpack in that one. Saturday, January 4th, Southern Miss takes on Tulane. Willie Fritz was a name discussed in the Missouri coaching search. Because of that, I'm going to take the wave in that one. They'll prove to 7-6 and six after they generated some national momentum on their way to a bowl appearance. Louisiana taking on Miami, Ohio. The Raging Cajuns came up just short in the Sunbelt Conference Championship game. They take on Brett Gabbard, who just picked up a win in the MAC Conference Championship game. I'm going to take Louisiana in that one. And that all leads to the College Football Playoff National Championship game on Monday the 13th. As I mentioned a little earlier in the program, I am going to take LSU over Ohio State in what could be one of the most classic college football championship games of all time. So, there you have it. We broke down and looked at every single FBS bowl matchup. And it took so long that we are about out of time here on one of these nights. However, I will not leave you breaking a promise. We said we were going to talk about Alabama kickers. To which I ask, what's up with Alabama kickers? And no, that is not the start of a cheesy sketch comedy routine. It is a legitimate question. What is wrong with Alabama kickers? As you mentioned, the Tide took a significant step back this season. And again, they're taking on number 14 Michigan in their bowl game on New Year's Day. But a big reason why was because Joseph Bolivus missed the potential game-tying field goal against Auburn on November 30th in a 48-45 loss for the Tide. He later apologized to Alabama fans in a letter posted to Twitter later this week. This season, he and Will Reichern have combined for 12 of 18 field goals, 75 of 77 extra points. They've been fine extra points, but they've still missed six place kicks for three. They've left 43 points on the field in the past two seasons. It burns the question, if Saban is recruiting so well, if Alabama is winning national championships four in his time at the helm in Tuscaloosa, why can't he recruit a place kicker? Well, it's an issue far beyond that, and it's worth taking a look at some of the numbers. From 2007 to 2018, the first 11 years of the saving era, Alabama converted 69% of its field goals compared to a 74% national average. So the Tide were just a little bit below par in that, but certainly not much to shoot off the chart. They were 24, 224, I should say, out of 314 in total. They left 313 total points on the field in the Saban era. That's an unbelievable number. Think about if Alabama would have any one of those 313 points back, how it could have changed some of their most notable losses. Speaking of which, we'll go back through some of the more notable ones. Andy Papanassos missed a championship-winning field goal in 2018 against UGA. Other notable misses, Cade Foster in the game of the century, a 9-6 LSU win when those two teams will later go on to match up in the national championship game. It didn't matter because Alabama was still able to take the title that season. But even then, Cade Foster missed some huge kicks for the Tide that season. You wonder how things would have changed 
even though they went on to win 21 to nothing in the Sugar Bowl, which was the national championship game that year. Lee Tiffin missed a kick in Alabama's 10th game of the season. That cost Alabama a chance to play for a national championship. They lost to LSU in 2008. The real question is, why does this keep on happening for Saban? Well, NCAA rules actually stipulate that you can only have 10 assistant coaches. Most don't decide to use those coaches to work specifically with place kickers or punters. Bobby Williams was a special teams coach for Alabama from 2008 to 2015, but he mainly focused on tight ends. So he basically was taking on working with the kickers as a part-time gig. Eventually, Saban decided to focus on it more in 2016 when he brought in Burton Burns and Joe Panunzio in 2016 and 2017, respectively. But it hasn't really been a recruiting problem. Adam Griffith was the top-rated kicker in 2013. He played for four years for the Tide, missed some big kicks himself, including the kick six loss to Auburn in 2013. Will Reichard, the number one kicker in the 2019 class, is currently playing for the Tide. So, so many questions regarding the Alabama kicking situation. It doesn't look like that is going to change anytime soon. We will see if Coach Saban can rally his kicking situation. And it's really a situation where you've got more questions than answers. Finally, last thing I want to touch on in one of these nights on KCU Sports. The best thing I saw this weekend, the Dallas Mavericks bested the New Orleans Pelicans, 130-84. to 84. You heard that right. That's the NBA in 2019. Boban Marjanovic, the seven foot four Mavericks center, had a fantastic game, 15 points, 16 rebounds for the big man out of Serbia, Montenegro. He was interviewed on television for the first time in his NBA career after the double-double. He talked with Fox Sports Southwest, Jeff Wade, after the game. Here's what he had to say. Cuban just walked by and was chanting MVP towards you, Boban. How did that make you feel? Oh, feel amazing. You know, first time on TV. Hi, man. Hi, Dad. Hi, family. I'm here in Dallas. <laughs> that just puts a smile on your face. Boban Marjanovic makes his first TV appearance. He's here in Dallas, and the Mavericks are glad to have him, even though they just came up short against the Sacramento Kings. Marjanovic with his first double-double of the season what better note to end on than that we thank you for joining us on one of these nights and its first ever semester as part of kcu sports we hope it was a great way to end your weekend for several weeks out of this semester we will be back for the second edition the second volume of one of these nights in 2020 but for now I'm signing off for the last time this evening. I wish you a great start to your week. I thank you for taking time to support Student Radio. I'll see you back in January, but for now, God bless.